Hello, and welcome to Book Club of One. I am Jacob, a librarian, and through the course of a year I read a lot of books. Join me as I detail and share my impressions of the books that have entertained or educated me the most. This episode finds me working to get back to reading more at home. March will continue the Brando Sando read-along with Stormlight Archive book number two, Words of Radiance, which we probably won't talk about too much beyond the notes section, but if you're interested in continuing read-along with us, please join. And hello to new listeners. Book Club of One has now partnered with a local radio station streaming offerings, so if you're hearing of us from the first time, this is episode 63. You can always go back and hear many other book reviews, but I would like to point out the quality gets better the more recent the episode, as I had a better idea of what I'm doing. The 1619 Project, a new origin story. It was organized and features essays by Nicole Hannah-Jones, a Pulitzer Prize-winning African-American investigative journalist covering racial injustice for the New York Times Magazine and creator of the 1619 Project. In 2017, she received a MacArthur Foundation Fellowship, a.k.a. Genius Grant, for her work on educational inequality. She has also won a Peabody Award, two George Polk Awards, three National Magazine Awards, and the 2018 John Chancellor Award for Excellence in Journalism from Columbia University. In 2016, she co-founded the Ida B. Wells Society for Investigative Reporting. The 1619 Project is an ongoing initiative from the New York Times Magazine that began in August 2019, the 400th anniversary of the beginning of American slavery. This volume features 18 essays, 26 works of poetry and short fiction, and archival photographs. This is a book I've been keeping an eye out for since I first heard of it pre-publication, and my local library purchased a copy. The 1619 Project a New Origin Story, is an expansion of the New York Times Magazine's August 2019 special issue. Across the essays, photos, poems, and works of fiction, the contributors to this volume highlight and explore key moments of oppression, struggle, and resistance in American history. So this features a wide range of topics and contributors showing how America has been divided and the politicians and, in general, structure hypocritical since before its founding. What does it mean for us to be free in this country? Particularly the hypocrisy of the anti-Black racism and inequalities that still shape our daily lives. The 18 essays center on conceptual topics such as race, sugar, fear, dispossession, self-defense, traffic, or progress, to name several of them. These are written by authors with a great deal of knowledge and expertise. For example, Brian Stevenson, author of Just Mercy and founder and director of the Equal Justice Initiative, wrote the essay on punishment. This is an excellent companion work to 2021's 400 Souls, which was co-edited by Ibram X. Kendi. That book and this one, and many other books I've read since 2020, have further helped me learn past my blind spots and deepen my understanding. To think more critically about questions like, What happened to those who were enslaved when they were freed at the end of the Civil War? Why was the Civil Rights Movement necessary after the North had won the Civil War? And how much have things progressed? Or have things progressed? 
or is it more staggered with some progress occurring along setbacks and injustices? Particularly pertinent is from page 456 the the essay entitled Justice. Quote, it is unclear what substantial and transformative change will come from the reckoning that began in 2020, or distressingly, if whatever changes occur will lead to more freedom and equality or less. But by reading to the end of the book, you have gained a sense of the stark reality we must confront. Even if we pass wide-ranging policing and voting reforms, on their own, these cannot bring justice to America. End quote. Reflecting back to, in our opening notes, the Brandon Sanderson read-along, now I'm going to talk, discuss The Way of Kings, the first book in the Stormlight Archive series. Brandon Sanderson is a white American science fiction and fantasy author, instructor in creative writing, and podcaster. Most of his works are part of his overarching universe known as the Cosmere, series tending to be on different planets within that same universe, Mistborn and the Stormlight Archive being the two more popular. He was chosen to finish Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series following Jordan's death. He also writes a middle-grade fiction series, Alcatraz vs. the Evil Librarians. He has been nominated for the David Gemmell Legend Award six times and won in 2011 for this book. His The Emperor's War won the Hugo Award in 2013 for Best Novella. According to his bi official biography, he has appeared in the New York Times bestseller list multiple times with five novels hitting the number one spot. I learned of The Way of the Kings, uh, as one of my colleagues has been talking up this series for years, trying to encourage me to read it. And The Way of Kings is the first in a planned 10-volume epic fantasy series. Here we are introduced to the world of Roshar, place of stone and storms. Humans are present, but not alone. Quote, it has been centuries since the fall of the ten consecrated orders known as the Knights Radiant, but their shard blades and shard plate remain mystical swords and suits of armor that transform men into near-invincible warriors. Men trade kingdoms and wage wars for them. One such war rages on a ruined landscape called the Shattered Plains. So in this book, the story rotates between the views of four main characters, with interludes between the sections from other characters. At slightly over a thousand pages, there is a lot in this book. As the first in the series, there's a lot of world-building and explanation of politics and social systems, but not all of that is direct. You do pick up some as you go on for things are not explicitly explained. My favorite character was Shalon, a minor light-eyed woman, which is their caste system in this world, whose family and lands are in danger. She pursues a dangerous and daring plan to steal a device from the sister of a king by becoming that sister's ward. Other characters are the Blackthorn, uncle to a king, and his son, a, who starts off as a womanizing, battle-dueling, focused man who gradually matures a little across this book. And Kaladin. Oh, Kaladin. His story arc is that of the hero trying to recover from great loss, and he is very mopey and depressive at first, but not whiny. And he has gone through a great, great deal of suffering of loss, both personal and career-wise. This world has magic in it, and that seems to be fueled by high storms, which occur frequently throughout the book. These are lots of high winds, rain, and uh, lightning occurring. 
which leads to some characters having visions, and their money system are gems that are infused with the power from these high storms. And some characters have the ability to draw on that infused money to perform different feats. In the world-building aspects, we learn bits of the history of the world, and some of the main characters are seeking to learn what they can of the past for the betterment of the future. While nations are warring, a greater danger seems to be at hand, lurking behind the scenes but growing stronger. I'm definitely looking forward to book two, which I've been told has more of a focus on Shalon. If you're interested in this series, be careful where you search, because spoilers abound. And for our third book, we'll be talking about The Swimmers. Julia Tsuka is a Japanese-American author. She studied art as an undergraduate at Yale University and pursued a career as a painter before turning to writing. She received an MFA from Columbia University, and she has published three novels. When the Emperor was Divine in 2002, The Buddha in the Attic in 2011, and the one we'll be talking about shortly. Her work has been honored with an ALA Association Alex Award, a Guggenheim Fellowship, Langham Prize for American Historical Fiction, Penn Faulkner Award for Fiction, and many other awards and nominations. The Swimmers, I saw mentioned as a forthcoming release in one of many places, could have been NetGalley, Book Pages, or even Goodreads. The copy I was able to read, I won through an Instagram giveaway. And The Swimmers, to quote the official blurb, is, The Swimmers are unknown to each other except through their private routines slow lane, fast lane, and the solace each takes in their morning or afternoon laps. But when a crack appears at the bottom of the pool, they are cast out into an unforgiving world without comfort or relief. One of these swimmers is Alice, who is slowly losing her memory. For Alice, the pool was a final stand against the darkness of her enroaching dementia. Without the fellowship of other swimmers and the routine of her daily lap, she is plunged into due location and chaos, swept into memories of her childhood in the Japanese internment camps in which she spent the war. So as in other works by Otsuka, it does focus at least in part on the American history of uh, people of Japanese descent. In general, though, it is a book about forgetting and slowly losing and the changes that occur as we age. It is short in length, around 160 pages, but across that we begin with the viewpoint of the collective of the swimmers, them talking of a group about the pool and how people interact at the pool, the different lives and their shared obsession with swimming that at times causes challenges in their daily lives. But this place of solace for them to practice and exercise and just have a place of quiet to enjoy as you get from that blurb changes suddenly and the changes are irreparable eventually leading to a closure of that the location and alice then becomes our main focus so again we see a collective group at first and then we see alice through the viewpoint of her family as she slowly begins to lose her memory and gradually loses her ability to take care of herself. And we see things through both her view, their daughter's viewpoint and then her husband as well, as they figure out how they can best meet Alice's needs while still in some degree taking care of themselves. Not an easy book. So this episode, we've gone from dark to lit fantasy literature back to dark, but they all have some 
lessons worth remembering. And speaking of lessons worth remembering, our reading soon book is Ramble Book by Adam Buxton. From the official blurb, ramble, a verb. Definition one, walk for pleasure in the countryside. Dr. Buckles and Rosie the dog love rambling in the countryside. Definition two, talk or write at length in a confused or inconsequential way. Adam rambles on about lots of consequential, compelling, and personal matters in his tender, insightful, hilarious, and totally unconfused memoir, Ramble Book. Ramble Book is about parenthood, boarding school trauma, arguing with your partner, bad parties, confrontations on trains, friendship, wanting to fit in, growing up in the 80s, dead dads, teenage sexual anxiety, failed artistic endeavors, being a David Bowie fan, and how everything you read, watch, and listen to as a child forms a part of the adult you become. I started it today and have been thoroughly enjoying it and hope to talk about it next time we check in. This has been another episode of Book Club of One. Thank you for listening. I welcome constructive criticism and book recommendations or even if you found a book through this episode and want to share the story, feel free to reach out through Instagram and Gmail at Book Club of Uno. Book Club of One is recorded and distributed by Anchor.fm. And remember, no one should be shamed for reading.